This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I saw this over the weekend and I couldn't believe it. Um, We had a really good weather weekend. Um, Friends of mine did get married on Saturday. And so we went to an outdoor wedding. It's hot. It was it was warm outside. We were in um, in the direct view of the sun. We may have been directly under the sun. That's how hot it was. But I heard something yesterday that concerned me. And I heard around one o'clock, not on this radio station, but on a radio station, um, seek shelter. I heard that phrase seek shelter. And it wasn't like, what time should I seek shelter? If something's falling from the sky, should I seek shelter? But it was like, go indoors. And later on, as I was driving around, I was doing this, I was doing that. I was mostly in the, I knew what the elements were. Um, It rained, like rained for maybe seven minutes where I lived. But I was told citizens of Toronto and Peel and Halton and later Durham had to seek shelter. There was a thunderstorm warning. I heard this around one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, this coupled with something in the New York Times, the bastion of what journalism kind of used to be. And here's this is this is the headline. Is it safe to go outside? How to navigate this cruel summer? Heat, flooding and wildfire smoke have made for treacherous conditions. Use this guide to determine when it's safe to head out and when you should stay home. Huh? Are you like you? You're kind of kidding. Yes, sometimes it's some days it's hot, and um, I I can figure out that out in about like a like a millisecond when I walk out my front door. Uh, poor air quality. Yeah, we've had a, a couple days like that. None for a few weeks. I thought it was the new normal, but we had poor air quality. A, a couple very odd, and I was the first to say, "Hey, this would be concerning if you had health problems." This would be concerning if you're 85 damn years old. This would be concerning if you've got like a small, small infant or a toddler with, you know, asthma like that. You kind of judge your own level of of risk. We used to do those things. So let me um, make it very clear. It is safe to go outside. Why the actual hell would it not be safe to go outside? And why is this newspaper... What, well, like what, you know, boxing has rounds. What round is this? Eight, nine in a three and a half year run of trying to convince people it's not safe to step outside the door and interact not just with nature, but with human beings. It's safe to go outside. Let me tell you, Gregory F. Brady says it's safe to go outside. Get back to me when it's not. Over the weekend, it was, it, it, and this is New York, right? That's the city where the paper's from. Over the weekend, it hit a peak on Saturday of 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Whew. That's, you know, last I checked, that's 27 degrees Celsius. Average humidity. Average air quality. Everything was great. I, I Honestly. Honestly. And by the way, on the days of the wildfire smoke, people were outdoors. You noticed it. You noticed it. But I figured, just as crazy, I know this is just a really, I am out there on this one. I thought for a while when I went for a walk the night of uh, one of the wildfire days where people were like, oh, we can't do this and we shouldn't do that. Schools shouldn't have recesses outdoors and 
and maybe kids soccer wouldn't happen that night. I just thought this is I know how wacky uh, uh, like you're going to think I hit my head over the weekend on something. I just thought the benefits of exercise like outweighed and my health combined with the benefits of exercise outweighed whatever the smoke might do to my health. I don't it's it's the weirdest thought. Now, by the way, if you're elderly and in poor health. Different. If you're not adequately hydrated, different. Maybe maybe you have no access to sunscreen, but I'm not a good person to ask. I'm not a good person to ask about this because 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 I like to sweat and, and I like sun and I like to be uh, out there. When did this happen? How do we make it stop? Interacting with people used to matter. Leaving your front door used to matter. And yes, I, you know, <laughs> I cannot for the life of me understand. How do we look in this reflection? If we hold a mirror up to ourselves, how do we not get this? It, it, like how? And by the way, how are we trusting a newspaper to tell us whether it's safe to go outside or not? How am I listening to a radio station yesterday tell me to seek shelter? When um, when like a few drops of rain fall on my head, that would be awful if I got wet. I, I like I, I, honestly, honestly, I get it. You want to you want to give people notice if a picnic's going to be ruined. OK. All right. That's great. I saw lightning, by the way, the other night we played in rain for about 20 minutes of of the big soccer match between Ajax and Oshawa. And then we saw lightning and, and the referees say we just saw lightning. So we can't play anymore for at least another. We have to wait a half hour between lightning strikes. But but I don't need your guidance to know whether to go outside or not. This is the New York Times people being journal. Is that journalistically responsible? That's not helping because I still still see people that are afraid to do this and afraid to do that. Be your own guide for that kind of stuff. We've been saying that again for three and a half years. Why wouldn't it be? Maybe if we had a nuclear reactor meltdown or something, I, I I'll tell you what, we'll tell you when that happens and then it will be unsafe to go outside. Okay. Chir- when Chernobyl happens in North America, we can keep you posted on those kind of things. That seems pretty safe to say. Am I out in left field? 416-870-6400. Shiva Siddiqui joins me right now. Have I gone crazy? Honestly. A little bit. You love your outside. I do, and I don't believe in any type of bad weather, but it wasn't just a few drops yesterday. For me, it was. It was. Maybe. Maybe (laughs) for you, it was. Did you seek shelter immediately? I. You know what? I was on the road. I was actually driving really far. I was driving up to Newmarket. Uh, I had an event to go to up there, and so and I was I just had my two little ones in the car with me. My two older ones are going to camp, mm. first time away, sleep away camp all week. It's that's a whole other conversation, but uh, it was bad. Like it's to the point where you have your windshield wipers going at the maximum speed, and still you still can't see anything in front of you. And it was on and off, right? It'd be five minutes of crazy rain, and then you know like a th- couple of minutes of this, it would just be drizzling a little bit, and then back to the crazy rain. So it wasn't just a few drops. Okay. All right. But, but that's, that's not like you might be I, like, I don't think you should seek shelter. Don't I, seek shelter. <laughs> no, that's, that's a little, over, I don't even know who would say that oh or why. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's, a, that's where you like, you know what? Um, Rover, uh, the dog, I, I'll, I'll wait a couple minutes to walk him. I'll wait till this uh, ceases. I was thinking about weddings. I thought July, beautiful Sunday wedding. That's what you pick for your wedding no, day. No, you got some risk. There's, but there's risk in well, October. It's a 50% chance it's not going to work out anyway. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> More on that in a minute. But but yeah, like it, it's not, 
it, it, none of this has changed in previous years. I just worry about this, that we're like, be scared, everybody, all the time of everything. I know. Remember that, like the tick-borne illnesses? My wife and I were walking in the, like, sort of the, the park. A uh, Lyme disease? Yes. Yeah. What happened no, to that's that a four big or five deal. weeks ago? That's a, how, how, wait, wait a minute. Define a big deal. What's a, What do you mean by a big I deal? I personally know someone who has Lyme disease. He got it from- I, I do think, too. And it's changed his life. It's scary. Yeah, it is. And I'm out there all the time. I'm terrified of ticks. But I'm you terrified. haven't. No, you're not terrified because you haven't stopped going. You wouldn't stop no, going. But, I know you. But you it'll be stop 32 going. degrees Celsius and I'm in full long sleeves. I'm that. in full long pants. I'm wearing socks over my legging. That's I'm sweating, but I refuse to wear. I would never wear like shorts or a t-shirt. Out in the forest. You're not going to get Lyme disease. How do you know that? How, well, because you're... you're. And I don't even want to take on me. I, what, if, what if I make the case the worry about Lyme disease is affecting your mental health worse than the illness would affect your physical health? What Maybe. If I, right. Maybe. But you know what? I, I, it's just something that I have in the back of my mind when I'm out on these trails. But it's not, if and it was a crisis, it would be in the front of your mind. Like I said, a nuclear a nuclear well, core reactor would be the in the media, front of my mind. The media comes forward and says, you know, because of climate change, these are all the new types of ticks we have and all the new types of tick illnesses we have. And I, I and just, when are they wrong? When do they exaggerate <laughs> something? <laughs> we, get to, we get a little Seek heat. Seek shelter. That's right. Seek shelter. We got a little bit of heat. It's hot. There might be some heavy rainfall from time to time. Once in a while, the air quality is poor. Stay inside, everybody. Stay inside. Like, honestly, like I, I want to be the last person. You'll, you, people can accuse me of this, that, and the other thing. I will not enable agoraphobia. Is that the spider thing? No, agoraphobia is when you, you're afraid to, you need to know where the exits are in a room. I don't can't. think it is. I think it's just... No, I was thinking of arachnophobia. Briefly. Yeah, that's arachnophobia. But I thanks for that. coming out. Brief. I do have that. All right, I do. I make some very <laughs> poor life decisions. One is being afraid of spiders. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty, Toronto. I love this one here uh, from Dave. A text, and then I'll get back to the phones. Uh, good morning. Listening to your monologue on climate change, I completely agree. I can remember being scared out of my. Uh, it's wet here, so it's some kind of autocorrect. Your business is your business, Dave. Anyway. In grade six, because acid rain was going to destroy us. That's right. Acid rain was a huge conversation. So was the ozone layer in the 80s. If someone had too much hairspray coming to high school that day, sometimes that was me. Um, and, and that part in the middle. What are you thinking? Anyway, um, th- th- like, yeah, we oh, did leave any room for the ozone layer. You'd say those things. Um I see that in some of my friends, younger kids are freaked out. And why would you care about the future when you're all going to die? I hate that we scare people as opposed to here. There's a problem. Let's fix it. Scaring people's not the way to go. Hope it's a great morning. That's from Dave. And people make the case. Politicians have not changed their lifestyles. Thanks for uh, Barb and Belleville on that. Governor General's all over the place. We just played you a clip this morning of the deputy prime minister in Aspen, Colorado, who uh, she went to a security conference there. Would she have gone to that if that was in Bismarck, South Dakota? I don't know, but Aspen's pretty awesome. And so is flying there on a private jet. And she had just come from India. You wouldn't go to India and Aspen, Colorado in the span of one week if the world was about to end. But tell people paying the carbon tax at the gas pumps that. Listen, I'm in on the climate. I don't think it's great. It is going to hold back humanity from fully thriving. It's going to be great for rich countries, terrible for poor countries. But the world's a better place to live in now than in 1950, let alone 1850. 
We talk about air conditioning. You know what's terrible for the environment? Air conditioning is. But it will keep more people alive than let them pass out from heat exhaustion and fill up our hospitals. Like, come on. You gotta have balance in conversations here. The earth is not uninhabitable anymore. The earth is not about to explode. And we are making a paranoid new generation that it is. People aren't having kids because of climate change. Are you nuts? Uh, Pete, thanks very much for the phone call. You go right ahead. Appreciate you holding on. Hey, Greg. Hi. I I really appreciate you bringing up this topic because I'm 59 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm not in great shape. I spent the entire weekend outside doing a construction project in my (laughs) yard. Awesome. I love it. I was able to deal with the heat. When I got hot, after a couple hours, I'd come in for a few minutes, went to the basement, cooled down, had some water, went back out and continued the job. I've got kids who want to just sit on their phones. Now, they're they're completely uh, into the culture of uh, climate change and what have you. So I try to explain to them that whether it's man-made or not, climate has always changed over time. And the fact that it is, we have to adapt to that. Their grandfather worked on a military ship um, in World War II as a engineer. He was in the boiler room. It was 130 degrees his entire shift when he was down there. So you're, you're able to deal with these things. They bring up one person who dies in Arizona. I spent uh, the end of June in Arizona. It was 42 to 45 Celsius Yeah. And in Phoenix, and I played golf. It's not that difficult to just manage yourself. But the problem is our society these days need to be told absolutely everything, either through a YouTube clip or a TikTok video or something along those lines. There's no common sense anymore. Kids can't change a tire. They can't. They can't do anything. They can't I, pump their own gas. Like it's getting absolutely insane. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. And and to your point, the parents that are having their kids do that stuff, the parents that aren't making their kids panicked and afraid and paranoid, we we can't wait to have our kids go up against your kids in the job market. We can't we can't wait to have our kids compete for life partners with with the panicked and the paranoid. But I think it's sad. I do. Here's an example really quick before we get back to the phones. University of Colorado Boulder. You know, they're, they're starting to have where the Buffaloes play. Colorado Buffaloes. Everybody knows that. Okay. Uh, this is Monday, July 24th. And um, new students are visiting with parents. But here's a note from the University of Colorado. We're looking forward to your visit tomorrow, Monday, July 24th. We are reaching out to inform you that due to the high temperatures expected tomorrow, we are making an adjustment to tomorrow's agenda. Following your information session, we will not be conducting the campus tour for the safety of you, our guests, and our student ambassador tour guides, people who are like 19 or 20 or 21. Not likely to die from the warm, warmest temperature today, which is 90, which is 30. How did people survive a century ago? How did people live? Okay, no air conditioning. You're working outside. If you're not working outside, your parents will send you outside. We didn't cancel anything because of heat. And I know there are concerns. I had no problem with the air quality where it was a few weeks ago, scrapping certain activities. I had no problem with that. You heard me say, where's Eileen Davila explaining who's more at risk than other people? Where is she? That's her job. You get 350 grand to tell people what to be aware of and what not to be. It's just uh, honestly, honestly, at this point, and there's there's a university campus 
basically saying, hey, we don't want our staff exposed to extreme deadly heat, 90 degrees, to just walk around on your own in the extreme deadly heat. Thanks. Have fun. What's wrong with us? Tony, thanks for the uh, call. I, I appreciate it. You're on 640 Toronto. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Morning. Uh, I would love to point out that, um, you know, for millennia, we've had uh, we've had people dancing around the fire telling us uh, what the weather's going to be and uh, how to run our lives. And, uh, you know, we've had the same thing for almost a century now with these climate scientists, and none of their predictions have come true. Almost the contrary, right? Yeah, some, and- some things have happened, some things have not. I think that's the safest way to... Put it. The, the Earth is warmer. There's no doubt about that. But I'll I'll but take it. I'll take it. Different. I'll take it based on our technology and industrialization was going to cost us at some point, and it's cost us a couple degrees of temperature over 150 years. I'll take it. But that's but but that's false. I mean, uh, if you look at real climate science, uh, Tony Heller uh, puts it out very very well. These numbers are skewed. Real science is taking the same measurements in the mm-hmm. same place over time, and you'll find three weeks ago, two weeks ago. They were saying we had the three hottest days in history. You know, the graphs were all lit up in red, as you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier. And uh, you'll notice that they started counting these numbers since 1978. Now, are you telling me we haven't been recording uh, the, the, the global temperatures uh, no, I know. Uh, you, you're right about that. We, we start at a certain point in the, in the 20th century. Tony, I want to get Paul on. Paul, let me grab you here. Thanks for the call. You were at Wonderland yesterday. Tell me about your day. Hey, hey good morning. morning. How are you? Great. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It was a beautiful morning. I had three kids with me. We were enjoying the sunshine in the morning. We were enjoying the weather. All of a sudden, we're at the one end of the park <laughs> where the water park is, and it started to downpour. And... I could see everybody just running for shelters <laughs> and, and my kids were just sitting there in the rain. They were playing around, but they just said, Hey, you know what? It doesn't look like it's going to stop. Can we just go home? And I said, sure. So we walked through the park. Nobody was in our way because everybody was under shelters. And as we were approaching the shelter to exit, I, a gentleman stopped me and goes, you, you look soaking wet. And I said, yes. And he goes, well, why didn't you run for cover with your kids? Rain's not going to hurt my kids. <laughs> it's Rain not. is not going to hurt my kids. It's part of life. It's it's part of the weather. They're gonna and they're gonna see all types of weather: snow, rain, thunderstorms, whatever. They got to learn to adapt to it. A hundred percent. You're raising them to be adults, and and they're watching you. There and again, there is that point in time where kids hang on your every word, and this idea that the world's going to burn up and we're all going to be dead in 20 years. Um, it's not true. They were saying it 20 years ago. But I worry, too much emphasis on that means people won't believe the real stuff that is actually happening. So I don't have a climate-anxious kid in my house. I'm not saying I wouldn't tolerate it, but I don't have one. But articles like, is it safe to go outside? There's heat and heavy rainfall. Yeah, there always will be heat and heavy rainfall. There just might be more depending on where you live. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of is it safe to leave the house kind of questions. That's up to you. You decide. It's your life and it's your house. Plain and simple. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Party. I'm a Bobby 
These are the answers I never uh, get, and I don't think you could get. When the members of Aqua go and withdraw $100 from the ATM, and you go down and look at your balance, what's that balance look like? I can never understand. I got to think it's decent. I got to think it just takes one hit that gets used in commercials. Now this song, royalties, royalties, royalties. I got to think they're okay, but I'm not sure. Um, this is a Barbie Girl by Aqua from 1997. And this was just not put out for a movie or it didn't uh, spur the Barbie franchise or anything. This was just a novelty hit. She might be a terrible record executive because I would have been like, no, that's awful. Don't you dare release that as a single. Nobody wants to hear that. And oh, then it's, it's catchy. so damn catchy. Yeah, that's what it is. That's that memory why. serves. Mattel didn't want this song out. Did they get upset? I think they did. Everybody gets upset. And that's before everybody got upset about everything. Well, because Mattel didn't get any uh, money. Oh, well, that's what it comes down to. So Barbie won the box office battle um, against Oppenheimer um, over the weekend. It's funny. Somebody um, on the Ringer website, they said, come up with a time when there's been two films so talked about that have opened in the same weekend. And usually you kind of know what the big movies are. And if you have your own big movie, you don't want to open against somebody else's big movie. Nobody wants to open against Top Gun Maverick last uh, summer because it'll crush you. Okay. But that being said, these are two very different movies with very different audiences so i think that's why they're making it it's because it's the same people are not going to see both movies i think you're right that's why why so why did it become such a story that it's a double bill it's catchy people barbenheimer Barbenheimer sounds catchy but people won't actually go for five hours on friday last week and watch both movies in the same i'm interested to watch both movies but maybe i'm an odd duck that way like i like the history and i love christopher nolan movies yes i'm i'm curious about oppenheimer Especially because of Christopher Nolan uh, and Barbie, I, just, I want to say I'm going to take my daughter to go see it. That's it. And and my son, I thought he was going Saturday. He was on his own. My other kid was at a sleepover. We were out, and I'm like, I think he and his friends weighed going, but they're going to go because I think there's been such positive hype about it. Four or five weeks ago, they probably would have watched the preview of it in a theater and would have been like, not seeing that because they're teenage boys. But they're interested. They're really interested to see it. I love this juxtapose. Um, it's on the conversation. Um, Barbie fits. Oh, where did I see it? Oh, yeah, yeah. For some, Barbie's the ultimate girl boss. She's glamorous, successful, and owns her own dream house. For others, Barbie represents an outdated female stereotype. Quote, a blonde bimbo girl in a fantasy world. And then it quotes the Aqua song that we played uh, coming in. This is uh, from Harriet Fletcher writing in the UK. Just ask the man with the megaphone stood outside the press screening of the new Barbie oh. film I attended in Leicester Square. Vehemently protesting the film, he insisted Barbie's a bad role model and a danger to young women. Buddy, you know, go do something. Get a hobby. Have a snack. Find a lady friend. <laughs> I could be more crass about that last suggestion, but whatever. Like, it's a bit ridiculous. But but I'm, I'll ask you, you're a woman. Do you, like, how do you view that sort of juxtaposed? Is there a juxtapose between girl boss and bimbo? Look, I think that, like you said, everybody's going to have an issue with everything now. I see this. What I saw this weekend was, do not go see this movie. This is a feminist movie. That's what I saw. That's what I saw tweeting out. That's what I saw on social media. These feminists, they've turned it all around. I think, what's wrong with it being a feminist movie? So what if she's a girl boss? She can be a girl boss. She can have, there's a, a clip that I saw where she talks about her blonde hair. Oh, yeah. it's actually Margot Robbie doing an interview promoting the movie. Yeah. And um, it, it was in Australia. Oh, what was it? It was a word. Oh, a Barbie. So the, the presenter said, you know, because Barbie here in Australia means something different. And she said, 
what does Barbie mean in Australia? And they're like, oh, it's the barbecue. And, she, and Margot Robbie's Australian, so she just had a total like brain fart. And she said, everybody, it's not the blonde hair. So she's calling it out herself. That, you know, there is that stereotype of the blonde bimbo. It is there. I love Barbie. We all grew up with Barbie. It's great that Barbie is very diverse. Now, you can go to any store and get any type of Barbie that looks like anybody. When I grew up, it was a blonde Barbie mm-hmm. with blue mm-hmm. eyes. That's what it was. And in the movie, she's called Stereotypical Barbie. That's the type of Barbie <laughs> she is. That's what it is. Right, yeah. I just think that there's a way to mesh both of them. Go see it. Go enjoy it. Don't stand with a megaphone outside of a That's theater. Ridiculous. Get yourself a life. I know what you're trying to say. He needs to get laid. That's what you're trying to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, maybe. Maybe. But then I saw, oh gosh, I sent you that um, that other tweet where somebody notes um, in Oppenheimer, from this is someone named Tanya Roth, Dr. Tanya Roth. Fun fact, no women speak until 20 minutes into Oppenheimer, <laughs> and then within a minute, there's a sex scene. And I'm like... Okay. That doesn't surprise me, though. But it's a historical document. And if you had so a what, world women with, didn't speak I didn't see any women documents? in 1917 either because women weren't serving in World War I. Like, I, my point is when you have a historical movie, how do you diversify it? How do you, how do you tweak what actually happened and who was represented enough to go, like, does Oppenheimer, is he supposed to have a female boss? Is he, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what. Dr. Tanya Roth wants here. Okay, no, but I understand that whole, for 20 minutes, there's no woman speaking, and then it's the sex scene. I get that. So what's the purpose of the woman? But if you stick How a woman in there who does speak, aren't, isn't someone going to go, she's just a token? Well, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment I, on the I context know, of it. I, I can't I can't comment. But then there's also the issue of Ken and Barbie. People don't, he's just, he's the accessory, which I think may also irk a lot of men. I love this line here, um, and this is, uh, we're referencing um, Harriet Fletcher's piece on the conversation about it. Um, In the real world, Barbie's shocked to find things are a little different than in Barbie land. (laughs) We've said this constantly. She is harassed while roller skating and catcalled by male construction workers. A 2021 survey found four-fifths of young women in the UK have been sexually harassed in public spaces. I bet you would be a, a mirror image of those stats. In Canada, in Toronto, uh, proper. Well, Barbie says she feels, quote, ill at ease in these situations. Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, feels admired. And to be honest, honest, that's how most men probably would feel. 100%. Walking down the street. Wouldn't if you? Some, if some woman yelled at you from a car and, and she's like, nice butt or something else or keep it up when you're running or whatever. Or hit on you. Yeah. While you were minding your business, running your errands. I told you one time I had a assistant of a bot. My wife loathes that I continue to tell this story, but my wife. Where's this going? <laughs> okay. The, the, um, the assistant of my boss's boss's boss okay. called me into her office. Okay. And I think I'd lost like, I was coming off a knee surgery. So I think as a touch heavier, maybe after the surgery, <laughs> but then she called me in and she said like, you look great. What are you doing? And I didn't give it a second thought. I couldn't wait to call her to call Mrs. Brady and say, guess what happened at work today? I loved it. I loved it. Wait, wait. That's why I never do that to anybody because I get in trouble. So first of all, I'm surprised that the assistant of the boss, 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 boss had her own office and she called you in to specifically compliment you on Correct. that? Correct. Unless there was some other reason she called me in for it. So she was wasn't she like, hey, how about those you? leaves? Where no, I never felt, I never felt that way. 
I never felt that way. Can you imagine if this was the other way around? Of course. And it was a male boss calling in a fee- or a, a male assistant. You can't tell somebody they like their sweater, male or female. No, Gord, can't. nice shirt. Yeah. And you're going to be like, hey, stop hitting on me, Greg. Well, I had, Is it, Come on. I I'm sim- not objectifying you. I just yeah. like your shirt. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You can just Sheesh. go there. I had a similar experience. I was at a... I was doing a uh, endorsement for a weight loss company okay. many years ago. Woman comes up to me, says, "Aren't you doing uh, commercials for Soso?" And I go, "Yeah." And she goes, "How come you haven't lost any weight?" Oh, that's not. Or that's not. I thing. wish that was. I was really hoping it was going in a better direction. <laughs> it was honest to God true. She said that to my face. That's terrible. I yeah, know. That's I hope you complained. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, How do you respond late. to that? Uh, what did I? I just laughed. I said, "I have lost weight." That's awful. It's not too late. I've had a similar story, too. Yeah. I've had, I, I never say the rest of it. I'm going to call it out Panera Bread. You told me. Yes, you have called out the P. You've used the P word before. No, I've never told <laughs> yeah, you guys. I swear you've used no, the company's you, name before. No, to you, off the air I have. Not on the air. But I had just given birth. I had just given birth. And it was like my first time leaving the house. Like the baby was probably six days old. And I'd gained a tremendous amount of weight with my last pregnancy. And I went to, I was running errands, probably getting baby stuff, whatever it was. It was just so good to be out of the house. And I went to get a sandwich Mm -hmm. and a salad and I was breastfeeding. So I'm starving. I went to Panera Bread and the server said, oh, are you sure that you really want to order the whole sandwich? I think that, yeah, I think you should order the half. And she like looked me up and down and I felt like complete garbage. I felt like complete garbage. That's way out of line. Yeah, I, I was so, I was devastated. Because you're already so sensitive That's and you're so self-conscious. And she doesn't know I had a baby. But I'm thinking, that's what it's like for bigger people in the world. Like yeah. that's that's what made me think that's how that's how you get treated on a regular basis. I just I love that the movie is a success, and I'll tell you what. Like there's Margot Robbie, who is look, she's gorgeous in the conventional sense of being gorgeous, but she's really taking smart roles, and and she's played this really like brilliant in I Tanya. She's amazing in that bombshell. She's great in that. She could have won the Academy Award. That's a supporting actress nomination. But I think here's somebody who's challenging. Like you don't have to be. She's not. She's more conventionally beautiful than Meryl Streep or Frances McDormand. But she's going for critical acclaim here. Yeah. Because she's telling you. I'm a lot more than a pretty face. I can be the pretty face. She's probably proud of her pretty face, but she's doing a ton more in the business. Um, she was great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. I could keep going. Um, all right. Uh, I'm a Margot Robbie stan. I see that. Say. I hear that. She's, But she's a phenomenal actress. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Those of you who've had uh, a family afflicted by Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, you know exactly, exactly that you'll almost look anywhere for new hope. And uh, there's a new dr- drug called Donanimeb uh, that is seen potentially as a turning point. Um, but right now, this drug uh, had a huge trial in uh, the U- UK, and uh, the results were posted in the uh, in the JAMA Journal. Um, and it's very, very possible that the NHS in the UK will start using it. Um, on the phone to discuss with us is Dr. Sharon Cohen, medical director at the Toronto Memory Program. Dr. Cohen, it's great to have you on. Thanks for making the time for our audience. Thanks, Greg. Great to be with you. Uh, absolutely. Look, you've uh, you've been so involved. This has been your life's work. You've seen. Um, a ton of pharmacological trials. Um, are, is there any hope with this drug that they, that is, is sort of takes it to the next level and shatters some barriers here uh, about what this may do? Yes, absolutely. In the last uh, few years, we've seen some uh, 
some very, very hopeful trends. And now, most recently, as you mentioned, with denanumab, this was a large phase three study looking at this drug that clears amyloid plaque from the brain. And amyloid is the earliest change we see in people with Alzheimer's disease. And the antibody, denanumab, is given monthly by intravenous infusion and is able to very, very robustly clear plaque. Um, and in doing so, uh, people who are mild in their disease and still living at home and functioning fairly well are able to stay mild longer. And that's exactly what we need. We need mild people to stay mild because the disease, although it's nasty, you know, when it's in its mm. early stages, people are really still having fairly good quality of life. And uh, family members are also not having to do the hands-on caregiving that wears everyone out. So Denanumab has shown these really um, uh, strong results. They were presented just last week at a major Alzheimer's conference. And um, the manufacturer, Lilly, uh, has submitted um, for approval to the FDA and will be submitting in other um, regulatory jurisdictions in the coming months to years. So uh, we're hopeful that this will be a new treatment. We have the FDA um, having approved earlier this month a similar, not identical, but similar antibody called lecanemab and granting it full approval. So it is actually on the market. And mm. that's a similar thing, clears amyloid plaque and allows people who are mild in the disease to stay mild longer. Dr. Sharon Cohen's our guest medical director of the Toronto Memory Program. And, and I think you hit on something and it's, it's the slowing down of the loss of cognitive ability. There's no... You know, I've lived with this in, in my family. There's no there's no cure. There's no reversal. But the goal is let the person be who the person is at their core for as long as possible and slow the decline. It's all anybody would ask for themselves or for their loved ones. You bet, Greg. You know, in the future, we hope we'll reverse the disease. We hope to cure mm -hmm. it. But right now identifying it early, and a lot of people are, are worried about coming forward because there's stigma and there's a feeling, well, nothing can be done. Well, now that's changing because if we catch this disease early, there's a lot that can be done. We can keep it mild. So, uh, you know, I think that should be encouraging and hopeful for all of, of, of our families and the audience, you know, uh, um, of your show because, yeah, don't sit on mild memory problems and wonder if they're going to get worse. Get them checked out. And and if this treatment or a similar treatment is right for you, you'll buy time. You'll preserve time where you're staying more you and uh, able to, you know, engage with family and do the things you want to do. Are we slower in Canada than we should be on processes like this? I know we like to compliment ourselves in that we're measured. We're less experimental, I suppose. And, and I do think we saw this during the pandemic where like, why has this been approved in this country? Why was this approved more quickly in the United States? There is a more measured process, but but is that almost to a fault sometimes in your view? Unfortunately, I think you're right, Greg. I, yeah. I think um, Canada is a little behind. Uh, Health Canada is reviewing the lecanemab dossier. We probably won't have um, a Health Canada um, word on that until March of uh, next year. Um, and Denanumab has not yet been submitted to Health Canada, so the review process can take about a year. And of course, 
with a progressive disease, we're losing the opportunity for people who are mild now by the time the drug's approved. Are they still going to be in the mild stage or not? So I agree with you. Anything we can do to raise our voices and say, hey, we need more resources at Health Canada, or more priority given to this very serious and very common disease, that, w- that would be a good thing. Um, this trial that was in the UK, I, m- I mentioned Dr. Cohen uh, examined close to 1,800 people aged 60 to 85 for Donanamep. Uh, It's one of those, again, very difficult conversations. I know I've had this conversation with my partner. Um, We're we're not close to 60 yet, but we've often said to each other, you know, if either of us were to show any element of early decline or something more than just forgetting where you put the car keys, we'd want to tell each other. But I know, I've seen it with my own eyes, it is very hard for a son or daughter to tell a parent, I'm seeing this happen to you. And certainly a life partner, a husband, a wife to tell somebody that's part that's half the battle, isn't it? It's just having those frank conversations so that your partner would be willing to go in the trial and and have more of their life like we're talking about. Absolutely. And, you know, it used to be this way with cancer, too. And, you know, it was the big C. We didn't even say the word because why would you want to put Mm. a cloud over someone's head if you couldn't do anything about it? But now the fact is we can do something. So people should should feel empowered to come forward or to say to mom or dad, hey, I'm worried about your memory. Should we get this checked out? You know, it's not all Alzheimer's. There's lots of things that can affect memory. But if you don't get it checked out, you can lose an important treatment option. So I, I totally agree with you. There should be no shame. You know, this is the problem. If you, if you broke your leg, we don't expect you to run a marathon, you know, but if your memory is not quite right, we expect so much of people and, and, and people are afraid to even mention that something might be wrong. And, so and we, it's a, it's an amazing thing you say that because I'm sure a lot of people are, that's resonating with a lot of people listening going, yeah, I call my grandma or my father all the time and I say, how's it going? And they're like, well, my hip's giving me some problems and my shoulder's out of here and I haven't golfed in a month, but they would never say I'm starting to be more forgetful or I forgot wh- where I was going when I was driving the other day. And th- th- those can be the difference between a quality of life and not if we treat them early on and, and, and even being alive or dead if we treat them early on. I can see you understand this so well. And <laughs> you are so right. And we want people to come forward, go to their doctor and say, hey, my memory's not quite right, doc. What can you do for me? Rather than, you know, shrink back and not mention it as if there's nothing to be done. So, yeah, I'm very hopeful that we are making progress. And I should say that this study wasn't just done in the UK. It was... Mm-hmm. Uh, a multinational study, and we had uh, a large number of, of uh, individuals at our site in Toronto who actually participated. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you for thank you for yeah, telling us that. Not Dude. at all. Not at all. So, so there's good representation even for uh, Health Canada to look at Canadian subjects who participated in in this in the Denanimab and other trials. So that uh, should encourage us. Yeah. I only have 40 seconds. Do you see any reason why we won't have this available to Canadians um, um, through prescription at some point in time? Well, I think that the data is strong. And Mm -hmm. if we're putting drugs based on how effective they are and that they're safe enough that this drug should uh, survive review, Um, anything and everything can happen with regulatory review. But I am very hopeful. And um, I think lecanemab, a similar drug, Mm -hmm. We'll find out in March. So, yeah, it's too far away, but it's only a few months away. So I think we're going to have more treatment options for patients in the coming years. Dr. Cohen, really enjoyed making the connection. I hope you can come on with us again uh, and and share these kind of important conversations with me. I appreciate you coming on this morning. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yep. Dr. Sharon Cohen, Medical Director at the Toronto Memory Program.